Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Shrinik Boone. It's episode 367. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Stacy. That is at StacyPan89 on Twitter. Stacy, how are you doing on this Monday afternoon? I think this is the first time it's on a Victory Monday for one of us, at least, in a while, right? So, my condolences. Well, I, was root- I was rooting for the Bills. I'll, I'll... Yeah, it certainly was not. It certainly is not a Victory Monday. Um which sucks. But yes, I think it is the first one for that we haven't had in a while. So I guess uh, now we are all, uh, we're all just Knicks fans now. So that's great. I don't think anybody listening to this pod is like a fucking Ravens fan, a Chiefs fan. If you're a Chiefs fan, go fuck yourself. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody we, is. A, Schwinn, you spent, you spent four years near Detroit. You can, you can have a little, a little hope. Yeah, I mean I, I mean, I, I mean, I like the Lions, but I'm not a Lions fan. It's not like if they lose, I'm going to be like, oh my God, this is awful. Uh, I would just. Or Jared Goff. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully the Niners and neither the Niners or the Chiefs win. That would be my ideal scenario. Um, anyways, before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strickland on Instagram. Posting all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast if you are. This podcast. If you are even not done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. Leave us a comment. That'd be a huge help to us. Strickland also has merchandise, which is available on our website. You can find all kinds of cool stuff on there. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it. We've got it. You can find that again on our website, which is at www.thestrick.land. And there will be a link that will take you to the merchandise store. And the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, the podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to Takes from Abby's Bozos, our news podcast that is hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, along with Zach Blatter. And you also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I ran and ran with it. even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Marino, one of the best in the business. And now you also get access to Strictly NFL, our weekly NFL podcast that is hosted by Constantine Metricos and Jeffrey Rasmussen. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier that's going through a variety of additional benefits, like listening to pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside your truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, notice will be possible without you. And notice will be possible without Bet Online with the NFL playoffs right around the corner and the NBA season in full swing. Bet Online has you covered with all the up to the second odds, news, and scores with additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile. You can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get into the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, the Knicks had a game on Saturday, and they won. Uh, in what was Emmanuel Quickly and R.J. Barrett's homecoming, I guess you could call it, uh, their first game back uh, after the trade. To Toronto. It was a precious and true revenge game, actually. Um, sure, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure people will go with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Knicks, I thought they thoroughly dismantled a Raptors team that, look, they just, I mean, they've traded OG and Anobi now. Obviously, they also traded Pascal Siakam. 
they're definitely still in flux uh, as they reshape their roster. And the Knicks capitalized on that by beating the shit out of them inside. Um, and obviously with Jakob Pertl out, that made it a lot easier. And, um, you know, it was honestly, it was kind of a beatdown. Uh, aside from the turnovers that the Knicks struggled with to start the game and that they've struggled with since making the OG and Adobe trade. Uh, I believe they're number one in the league in turnover percentage right now. Uh, since that point, I should say. Um, but once they clean up the turnovers, this this game was it, it was pretty much just a total they were fighting in different weight classes. And um yeah, I mean if the Knicks shot better from three i mean i feel like this game really could have gotten ugly a lot sooner but um yeah honestly just very very impressed with how the knicks handled that um i thought obviously for the players involved on both sides i think you could tell it was weird in the beginning of the game um i think the fans and the crowd and everybody there uh treated it appropriately gave them the applause when they deserved the applause to start the game when they did little tributes, but we're obviously rooting for the Knicks. Um, and then I also just think like the way the organization handled it, um, you know, doing the video tribute, I think the way MSG handled it, uh, the coaches, everybody, it just felt like they actually, you know, this was not necessarily the same as like, uh, an Alfred Payton return, maybe. Uh, I'm not even. I'm, I'm trying to think like who that we. I guess when Taj came back, it's Gallinari, definitely... or yeah, but like the closest thing I think of is Gallinari to this to losing. That's the last time I can really remember. Like, man, we gave up that guy to using to losing quickly and Archer because Gallinari also came in at a dark time, and that half season to that point. I mean, we now we've had some real success, so it might be easy to discount that, but that first half season, he was a big part of kind of building that. Right. And he had been here during darker times. And I think that's, that's to me the closest thing to RJ and quickly, even though I'd agree, it's not quite the same. Yeah. And um, I just thought it was handled really well. And I thought they got showed a lot of respect, not just from, I mean, yeah, from the organization, but also like, you know, I thought what Randall said um, after the game, thought, even what Tib said prior to the game, I think he was asked about it also after the game. Brunson, all these guys, uh, I just thought it was handled very well. And um, and it was nice to see because I think those guys do deserve respect for their time on the Knicks. I think they were pivotal pieces um, in a lot of ways in helping turn this team around from laughingstock to a team that looks poised to at least be a pretty consistent playoff team moving forward. Um, and that's a substantial difference between what we had experienced for the past at least 10 years, going back to the, uh, the mellow years. But, um, yeah, so I, I just thought that was handled really well and I was really happy to just kind of enjoy that part of it. And also like, yeah, it made it a lot easier to be happy about that stuff because the Knicks took care of business and kicked ass. Like I thought that was really, and I think it was, yeah, it was impressive. It was honestly. the best of both worlds, right? Cause quickly had a double, double, um, probably needed to be more aggressive in the second half. Um, RJ had 20 on 15. I thought he played well, um, not on defense, but you know, he they, t- they asked him to guard Jalen Brunson, and I don't know that there's too many. Uh, the the one guy who might be most equipped to guard Jalen Brunson is is a starting small forward now, right? So, um, I, I think that um, that's just an impossible task for a lot of people. I mean, I think it was kind of a it was the best you could hope for from that game because I think Arjun quickly played well, they had their moments. 
Um, but it showed that the Knicks, you know, the Raptors now are, are re- retooling and, and building a new team. And, um, and you got, uh, but you saw that, you know, kind of the, the bright spots from the, the guys the Knicks developed. We still want them to do well in their career. It helps, by the way, um, the Knicks, if they do well in their career, because it, it lends credibility to the organization's development skills. Um, so, you know, you, we complain a lot like, oh, they, they let Obi go and he's shooting 9,000% at the rim and, and shooting well from three. It's like, well, that kind of reflects well on the organization in some ways. Um, and I think all of these guys have left and, uh, and done reasonably. Even Frank, you know, he, he's, he's stuck around. Um, so I, I think that that's the thing. I, I do want to talk about this game a lot from both sides. I'm going to ask a question first because I saw it. I saw it. I think you even complained about this. Like the the Raptors play quickly next to Shooter a lot, and I think part of it is that you know since being traded to the Raptors, Quickly's uh, two point percentage has gone down quite a bit. He's asked to do a lot. Um, I'm curious. Do you like if do you think Quickly next to Shooter is necessarily bad? One and two. If it is, then does that say something about how, you know, the fit would have Brunson? The fit with Brunson was always, to some extent, not maybe not doomed, but always capped a little bit. Um, I guess the I TLDR know. of that is like, if Brun, if quickly as if the minutes with Schroeder aren't great for the Raptors, mm-hmm. does that make you think maybe yeah, maybe it was never really going to work at that level with Brunson anyway. Well, I, I actually don't have a problem with them playing with Shooter. I actually think they play fine off each other. Um, I just think they had a lineup. It was like it was quickly Shooter and um, and Bruce Brown, and it was just like a bad matchup. I, I mean, that's specifically what I was talking about. It was a very. I think he put them on the floor against like whatever the hell we had: uh, Grimes, Hart, OG, whatever. Uh, and you could just tell they were just getting bullied. And the problem is Schroeder and Brown are not shooters. So like, you're not even getting the benefit of like, well, we're going to go super small and really spread them out. Like you don't get that benefit with that lineup anyway. Uh, And then the Knicks were just bigger than them inside all the time. So like, I I just, to me, that's what the issue was. I I don't really agree with this whole, like, I I think it's bullshit. I honestly, I'll just say that. Like, maybe it's true. Like I, like, I I guess what else did I, I don't think it's bullshit. The idea that in the long run, quickly and Brunson probably wouldn't have worked together. I've said that on here that like, I think in the long run, the hypo- hypothesis that you would run into trouble against the best teams in the league playing and starting quickly and Brunson together a shit ton of minutes is probably right. Uh, I just don't really understand why you would never try it given that the options you like that Tibbs did lean on for a long portion of that time were inferior by basically every measure. Like I, I don't really, don't really need to litigate this specifics, but like basically every measure, you know, be it offensive rating, defensive rating, EFG, opponent EFG, like all that stuff. Um, it just basically, it just never bore out. So uh, while I believe that like ultimately there was probably going to be a ceiling, I don't really think that we did our, like, we didn't really, we, we can't say it with absolute certainty 
because we didn't do it. Like we, we only used it in, you know, to close games or at the end between like the first and second quarters and in these little stretches and they dominated all those in all those situations. So it's, it was at least a strong enough sample to suggest like, it's probably worth investigating more uh, even if you have concerns about the long run, but like, I mean, I just think the main thing for me, and this is where I've, I've talked about this actually a bunch, even before we traded quickly is I kind of just have, I had kind of like dialed back my expectation of him in terms of what do I think he is? Like, what is his ultimate ceiling? Um, I actually do think his ultimate ceiling is, I don't want to call it a six man guy, but I think his ultimate ceiling is being an awesome guy who plays off of one or two true stars. Um, and I think that's why his, all his splits and like the team's offensive and defensive rating when he played off of Brunson and Randall were so elite. He's a ceiling uh, raiser more than he is a floor raiser. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think he can raise the floor fine. I just think that, but it's more so the impact, like of what when he gets to play. Like I think Lowry is a is a great not not the same player, but Lowry, Conley, those guys, they look awesome next to stars. They're still very good players without them, but um, but I think that's the the type of player he is, right? Yeah, I mean, I just I just to me that's just like what I kind of anticipated him as. I think he can still be really good, like being the man like i think he can be at 22 whatever however whatever we don't do the numbers like say 22 5 5 i think that's what you put up last year when you started for the knicks um but i think they're working a lot of shit out like i think they're all over the place their lineups are sloppy and i get it they made a lot of trades so maybe he's just figuring some shit out i don't know um but like i think the biggest challenge for him, especially given what they have right now. So, I mean, their main, their big three is like him, Scotty and RJ. I just think he needs to be a lot more aggressive about hunting shots. Um, and I know that their coach who personally, like I am seeing a lot of telltale signs of uh, fraudulent activity over there by uh, Darko Ryakovich, uh, but uh, I just think like, that's what he needs to do because there were portions of that game where I thought he did a really good job. Like it's, it's good. Like you, you come out, you want to get your guys involved, get everybody touches. I think that's really good, but there are just stretches of the game where you've got to understand, like, like you are like the lead point guard. Now you are the lead ball handler. You need to not defer to a guy like Scotty Barnes. You need to not like, you're not in New York anymore. You don't need to defer to RJ Barrett. You don't like you, you need to just understand what your role is. And that I think is going to be the biggest thing for him. Um, for RJ, like, I mean, RJ's RJ, he's going to do what he does. He's going to slash. He's going to try to, he'll, he'll hit hopefully enough spot up threes to, to keep defenses honest over time. Um, I thought some of his defense and to be fair to him, like, the defense for them across the board, it's so obvious that they have guys coming in from different teams and whatever, because they were just so all over the place um, on their rotations. But like, and, and that goes for everybody, like quickly, RJ, everybody. But I just thought RJ had some really like hilariously, very RJ defensive moments where he's like pressing Brunson, you know, in the backcourt. And then 
he gets a, he gets screened Walk like around and find out right <laughs> yeah well he just immediately gets screened and dies on it in the half court and brunson pulls up for a jumper or whatever and it's just like okay well i would rather have you have conserved your energy to fight over the fucking screen instead of dying on it and giving brunson a walk in three but anyway like i just think that i don't really worry about rj beyond like Will he become good at the things we need him to become or that they need him to become good at? I, I don't know. I mean, my, I just kind of think I don't even want to deal with it anymore. Like I did the RJ thing for, for fucking four and a half years of like, well, if you look at this 10 game stretch and stick out this five game stretch and then add this 17 game stretch, but remove this 12 game stretch. Like I, I can't do the roller. I don't need to do the roller coaster anymore. He's either going to level out and be solid or it's just going to be a forever roller coaster and it'll be up and down. Quickly, I just think he needs to like understand the role he's in, and um, he's got to understand like this is his opp- like this is the opportunity that I'm not going to say that he wanted. Like, I mean, yes, I think he wanted to be a starting point guard. I thought it was very obvious during the game, before and after the game, in his quotes, especially. Uh, obviously, we got the Players Tribune letter. Also, I don't. I think this move definitely was a surprise to him. Uh, like at least when it happened, and. I think he was taken aback, and I think it's been a big adjustment for him. I think he obviously laid down roots in New York, and like I thought, what Julius said after the game was really nice, where he talked about like you know this like New York raised these guys. Um, but I do think that quickly more so than RJ, I think RJ is just like a lot more. I don't want to say corporate; that makes him sound like a fucking raging asshole. But like he's a lot more just like business like, maybe in some ways. Um, and so he's able to just stay level-headed and keep the same approach no matter what, for better or worse. I think quickly was like, it seems like he's, he was a little bit more emotional about it. I mean, it definitely looked like he was like trying not to watch the video during the game so that he wouldn't like cry or something. Uh, he even said before the game kind of as a joke, but like probably true. He was like, I'm just going to have to like try not to cry. Um, so I think it was like, yeah, I think it was like kind of tough. And I think it's tough for both of them. Like you got to understand these guys, they're what, 23, 24 years old. This is the team that drafted them. They had never known another team in the NBA other than New York. Um, obviously, they were fan favorites as well on top of that. And, like, you get traded is one thing. You get traded, you come back, what, two and a half weeks, three weeks later, and that's tough. Like, that's really hard. They didn't. I mean, in, in Quickly's Players' Tribune piece, right, he talked about, like, he didn't even really have a chance to really say goodbye to his teammates and to coaches and to, to whoever. Um, and you got to remember, they got traded in the middle of a road trip, right? So they were literally in Orlando when they got traded. Um, or maybe they were in Indiana, wherever the fuck they were. They were in between that transit. Um, and and like, that, like that's, that's it. Like They didn't even get a chance to probably even go back to New York and close up shop. They probably had to go pay someone to go do that shit for them, which I'm not – asking you to feel bad for them for that because they have the money to do that i'm just saying like it's a it's a big change uh so they're back in the city for the first time i just think it was like a very emotional thing for them i'm not surprised they got off to a really good start and i'm not surprised that the knicks kicked their ass in the second half and that they couldn't uh keep up because like i think that once that emotion was gone once that initial thing was gone it was a fat it was a basketball game and in this basketball game the knicks had the two best players on the floor they had all the size, like they had an advantage in size in every fucking position, basically. And they bullied them. I mean, they bullied these fucking guys when they still had OG and Pascal over there, right? We bullied them in Toronto. So 
to, to do it again was not surprising at all. And um, I think, again, once the initial kind of like wave of emotions played out in the first half and they came out for the second half, since that second half started, it was kind of like, I mean, that was a joke. That was like, that was like a total, again, it was just a complete mismatch. And uh, aside from deuce, deucing on himself for about four minutes, uh, that was like, it, it played out exactly that what, way. Do you think deuce and precious switched skills for the game? I'm just, I mean, I know you're asking it as a joke, but like, I've just been less impressed. Like, I've been impressed with Deuce in the sense of like, okay, it's actually important that he is consistently a threat from behind the arc now. And I buy that. I don't think contested and the degree of difficulty isn't low. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not like, I don't think that's an insignificant development. I also think it's important to remember like, the Knicks did not pay him to like, commit to him as their backup point guard they paid him because they were like okay let's keep this guy's insurance and we can keep him at a number where maybe it's a huge fucking like you know maybe we hit and it's a huge fucking bargain or maybe he's just a guy that we well, can even if, even if he's javon i mean i think he's javon carter right they went to the same school came up under the same coach very similar skill set right that's a that's a good player i mean on the high end maybe he turns into d'anthony melton but um it's just if you had asked DeAnthony Melton even to run the Knicks backup offense, that's not going to be great, probably, right? He, there are th- things he just can't do right now. Yeah, and so like, I'm I'm not poo pooing what we've seen from him, but like, I think there like there was people, there were definitely people that were like, oh, like we don't even like maybe we shouldn't get a backup card because we have we have Deuce and he needs to get a shot, and it's like, dude. Deuce can't do anything to like create offense right now. Like the only thing he can do is call for a screen and pull up from three. Like that's that's just one thing that he can do. Uh, he doesn't create space. He doesn't blow by anybody. He's a solid passer. And he doesn't turn the ball over. Yeah, he's a solid passer. Well, he did some. He did. Yeah, I mean that was a crazy thing. But like, uh, yeah, he is a solid passer. But he doesn't have the. He doesn't create advantages enough to leverage that half the time. Um, so, like, I'm just. It, it's not entirely surprising to me that he had a crap his pants stretch against the team. Uh, was I surprised that it was against Toronto and that was very specifically against Dennis Schroeder? Yeah, I was a little bit surprised by that. But um, it, it was his handle is not particularly great, and um, he does not. Well, I, I think his handle is less the issue than I think he just doesn't have that much burst. Uh, I I also just think he plays into it. I mean, I, I think some of that stuff is. Mental. You don't need burst to like bring the ball up the floor. Like you just need to like be able to like bring the ball to the floor does not require you to require you to be like Uber athlete or something. Like he, he just was struggling to do that basic thing under pressure. So um yeah, look, I, I'm not like saying, oh, like we gotta get rid of Deuce, what a horrible like that. No, that, that it's, fine. it's not it's not a reason to not trade for a guard who can do those things, right? I mean it's like, it's it's it, it was a very much like obvious exactly why you need to trade. I mean, it's been obvious to anybody with a clue. Like I mean, even the games that he's played well, you know, the Memphis game and the Art Orlando game that he started in place of Brunson, yeah, like it's cool that he shot well. And I, I'm not again. I'm not being facetious. Like it is good to see that he shot well. And I thought he acquitted himself fairly well against Jalen Suggs. All things considered, how good Jalen Suggs is defensively. But like the Knicks scored 106 against the skeleton squad Grizzlies team, 
and then they scored 94 at home against the Magic. Like, that is about, that does say something about you as a point guard, and that's that's really what the Knicks are missing, is they're missing another guy. And, you know, maybe Deuce can become that in time, but betting on, if the, if the Knicks, re, if like, I, which I don't think they're going to do, but if their plan seriously at this deadline was like, you know what? We just, we want, we love Deuce. We think Deuce is going to do it. I'd be like, you're a fucking idiot. Uh, and you just pissed away a season because this team is now too good to, to make bets like that with, with actual playing time and a rotation spot. Like, do you remember when Memphis, their big move was like, all right, let's trade up and take on a garbage salary for Zaire fucking Williams uh, to draft Zaire Williams. He went up seven spots in the draft. And then they handed Zaire Williams. I mean, Zach uh, just wrote a really good piece over the weekend comparing kind of the Knicks and uh, Grizzlies trajectory. Zach Blatter, we should. Yeah. Not low. As franchises. But like the Zaire Williams thing was insane because it's like you're a good team. You can't just like your plan cannot any longer be. Oh yeah, no, no. We'll just give these 15, 20 minutes a night to this actual very good player. Like not or sorry, not, to this to this rookie who may or may not be good as a development guy, whatever. Like the Knicks are too good now to be like, well, we just believe in Deuce, so we're gonna keep giving him his backup minutes every night, no matter what. And like I'm okay with that. They've graduated to a different level. That doesn't mean you give up on Deuce, but it does mean if Deuce wants minutes if deuce is gonna like deuce has to really he has to earn minutes he's got to take minutes uh and right now he's not played well enough to do that and like the same thing goes for grimes like you know like i i, I think he's obviously a different level of player at least as far as what he's shown in the nba but he's deuce. more suited for what they're asking to do yeah to, to and catch and shoot and defend right so. and also and also just like if if grime grimes has a little bit more comp he has more competition in his spot and at the end of the day, I'm okay with him having to earn his minutes out. Do I think that the minutes allocation he's received throughout the year, uh, even on nights he's played well, makes sense? No, I don't. But that's a different thing. Like, I'm just saying these guys are now in a position where you can't just hand them. We're not a developmental team anymore. Yeah, yeah. We're, a, we're a good we're... team. Like, again, and that doesn't mean you give up on young guys, but it also means that if young guys are going to make it, they've got to, like, really Showing be worth it, it. yeah they've got to really be worth it they, they can't just come in and be like well i was the 22nd pick cool dude we don't give a shit yeah I mean, with deuce if all deuce was asked to do right was to provide defense some secondary ball handling and make shots he's good at that that is not um that doesn't fulfill what they they are asking of him right um so that's where i mean if they did trade grimes he's still gonna get minutes I do think if they trade Grimes, though, I think Deuce has done enough where if they trade Grimes, I'm not in favor of trading Grimes for a poor defensive player, but let's say they trade him for Terry Rozier. Um, you will probably see that um, that Deuce remains a fixture in the rotation, and he plays in that lineup, and he's good enough to guard twos. He's good enough to play off ball. He's a very good off ball player. It's just, um, I think the bigger thing is that you cannot ask him to lead a bench unit. I do want to shift gears a bit here. Going back to the game, so you mentioned the turnovers, and the turnovers have been up for the Knicks since that OG trade. Not coincidentally, people have noted that the Knicks have a lot more cutting, have a lot more movement and ball movement. Um, and if you look, like, you know, the, the Gold State Warriors even at their apex, right, when they they had some horrible turnover games. The turnovers were a thing for that team. 
and they're like the you know they are the the they ball still are. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure they still are, right? That's their philosophy, right? Move the ball a lot. Uh, Steph's had some ugly fucking turnovers and throughout his career. Um, is that uh, do you think that's the trade-off we're seeing? And do you think that's a worthwhile trade-off? Because the Knicks did make the playoffs as a as a five seed last year through limiting turnovers. That was very much part of like, and I think a lot of it was analytically driven, why they're okay with maybe a very uh, stat or, or more stagnant offense. Now it's less stagnant. Um, they're trying to push the pace a lot more. Do you think that's a worthwhile trade-off? Um, and you know, how do you see that shaking out? Uh, yeah, no, I think that's a great trade-off. Like, you're never. If Tibbs is ever going to be a productive playoff coach, he can't just keep expecting. Like, you're not going to win just playing fucking like, you know, goal line offense the entire way. It's just not possible. Like, you're not going to do it. And there's a reason why every single one of his offenses from regular season to the playoffs has cratered because you it does like you just cannot do that. It's not possible in the NBA at this point. Like, yes, I know the game is more ISO heavy in the playoffs. Yes, I know all this stuff. But like, if your entire thing is just like four rounds of like we're we're just gonna have I'm just trust my best guy to create in ISO situations. Like that's not good enough. And we saw that last year. Um, all it took was if Julius Randle struggles, like there's nothing you have left, right? And and I'm not absolving Julius Randle of his own, you know, kind of responsibility, culpability, I guess, for his own his struggles in the playoffs. But you need to do more to make life easier for them. Now, I'm not saying everything they're going to do or everything they're doing now guarantees that like that'll change, but at least you're seeing an attempt. Like there is an actual attempt right now of like, okay, we're trying to play faster, we're trying to move the ball more. Guys are cutting more. Some of that might just be personnel, right? Because you take out RJ Barrett, you put an OG and an OB, there's more of a natural off ball guy versus a guy who clearly wanted a lot of on ball p- touches than RJ. Um, and you mix that in playing off of Brunson and Randall and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, some of that might just be natural consequence of personnel, but it does seem like there's something going on there tactically. And, um, you know, to the point that I, I just think like the sample is big enough now where they're so, they've been so turnover prone. You've got to believe that like they are okay with leaning into that, like that they are accepting this as a potential risk reward scenario, Tibbs specifically. So um, I'm fine with that. I think it's good. I think it's a necessary evolution. And I think it'll make life easier for guys like their main guys. Like I think Brun- I think you saw Brunson feed off of this in the, in the Toronto game. You've seen him feed off of Randall uh, playmaking for him a bunch. Um, and I think it'll help Randall too, if he can make better decisions with the ball and just see the, the floor clear. But like, yeah, I, I, I think it's a very good thing. And I think it's a thing that has needed to happen for a while. And it, it accentuates your core strategy. Like I think I saw someone post um, not to bring up, bad memories but so someone posts the average depth of target um for mahomes and allen yesterday and right and both was much lower i think allen was taking a ton of checkdowns in particular right um but that's kind of the point is that in the playoffs you know teams are going to take away what they're going to take away the biggest risk um and the way to open that up is to 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 take the you know to to make them account for other things right make them account for the stuff that maybe they're okay with giving up but you're like how okay are you with that right and you know th- there's this famous talk from Bob Myers at, at the Sloan Analytics Conference 
where, um, you know, he talks about, you know, in the playoffs, you know, if you're, you know, it's like in baseball, right? If you, if you struggle hitting low and away, all that guy is going to see hitting low and away, right? If you struggle with your left hand, they're going to, you know, they're going to take that away in basketball, right? Um, you know, two, two feet of space turns into two inches. All of those are, are correct. But that what does, I think that you're, you hit on a good point. It's like, that doesn't mean you just default to ISO, right? It, you have to still make them. That's the challenge of the playoffs. You have to make out, make them account for those things. And you have to have an ISO guy to make, make, make them beat uh, to do make that happen. And I think it accentuates, right? Because if, you know, if the whole issue, especially when it comes to things like spacing, you know, you have Randall and Brunson who clearly want to get into the paint. If they, if the help defenders have to account for something else, some kind of off-ball movement, just just even account for it, even if they're they're going to take it away anyway. It still it 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 leaves them less able to just because that's what happened against the Hawks, right? Like the Knicks didn't really stress them at all. They didn't use Bullock like that, right? They didn't use him as a movement guy. Um, it is a counter that lets you get to your stuff in the playoffs or makes the stuff that maybe isn't the best option, but makes that a better option, right? So I definitely agree. I think the turnovers will probably balance out as they get a little more used to the style of play. Um, but it, it does capture a little bit more of the best of both worlds um, for for both for for them. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I hundred percent agree with that. I just think like it also is a way to alleviate the workload on Brunson and Randall, um, even before getting a third kind of ball handler, which is clearly you know that's obviously we just spent a lot of time talking about that's a that's a that's a tough that's a tough thing. Uh, they don't have it yet, so they will need to overcome that somehow, one way or the other. Yeah. Um, before, before we move on, any other thoughts on the the Raptors game? Or uh, I thought Randall was really good. I thought it was a great matchup for him. He's just taller than everybody. He can see over the floor really well. I think that's part of the reason why his passing was so good in that game. Um, and on it, I will say, like I I know there were people bitching about the turnovers. I didn't really care about almost any of those turnovers. I thought they were all in the uh, effort of trying to do something productive for the team, and they they were the. They were not the type of Randall turnovers that you get pissed off about. They're the type of Randall turnovers like you'll be like, "All right, that's annoying, but I get what you're trying to do. That's fine." They, this is not him backing are, are down. Are you at all? He reminds me a little bit of a quarterback who is like not maybe great at processing his reads, and so if he's a little bit off by like half second at a time, he makes up for it with crazy velocity, which can be a dangerous thing to rely on, unless you're you know Brett Favre in football. Um, do you think that um, is does that concern you? Because he throws all his passes now at like 100 miles per hour, which is like fun to watch, but also a little bit risky, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's a good processor, so it's not really like, I, I don't know, I'm not really surprised by that. Like, it, that's my main concern with him, but. I thought he processed fine in this game. I didn't think his processing was the issue. I think his execution at times was. Some of the passes he threw were really, you know, he had, like actually found a chew on a really nice look, but he like fucking gunned it at him under the rim and he couldn't gather it. Um, there were a couple others. Like I didn't, I didn't think his processing was really the issue in this game. Being completely honest. Well, I mean, I, I what I'm saying is that having to gun it 
may be the fact that he doesn't trust his processing. So, like, if your margin for of time is a lot lower because I just don't think he's a touch passer. When when do you ever see him make a touch pass? He just he just doesn't have it. Like, I don't think it's about processing at all. I think it just he doesn't have that like pass. He just doesn't pass like that. I don't know. Yeah, it makes sense. I, uh, I do think it's related, or at least a kind of has roots in um in just feeling like he's needs to make quick decisions, but um or, or he has less time than than maybe guys who do see a, a move or two ahead. Um I do want to talk about this third ball handler point. So some of the guys the Knicks have been rumored to be interested in are Bruce Brown, Terry Rozier, obviously DeJounte Murray. Um today there was stuff coming out about D'Angelo Russell. Um you know the Hawks trying to find a, a place for him if they do execute a, a DeJounte Murray trade with LA. Um, where, um, you know, do you have a list of guys? Do you have a ranking or in terms of priority, who would you prefer? They've obviously been connected to Bruce Brown. There's some debatability about how viable he might be as that second unit leading ball handler and fitting next to starting unit. Um, but I'm curious to your thoughts there. Um, it just in terms of, like, yeah, who are you looking for? I didn't even mention Brogdon, but Brogdon's obviously up there. Uh, Dan, I, I don't know if it's Favale or Favale. Um, Favale. Favale. Favale, yeah. Uh, Dan Favale had a, had a pretty good piece on a lot of trades, and he, he did seem to think that the Knicks could get uh, Brogdon for Fournier and a first, which I think that's probably the standing offer they have for most of these guys. It's just they would ideally probably not want to give up Quentin Grimes. Um, but you know, do you have an order of preference in terms of what move you'd want them to make, or um, you know, how are you thinking about that? I mean, I just think they need somebody who gets into the paint. Like, I don't think it's that complicated. Brogdon, to me, is it pretty obviously the best choice because I think he'd buy into coming off the bench. I think you can close them if you want to. He's big enough to play next to Brunson in certain lineups uh, and, and against certain opponents. And then. Um, you know, uh, I, I just like the fact that he, again, gets in the paint. He makes good decisions. He's a good drive and kick guy. They don't have that. Um, he's a good three-point shooter, really good catch-and-shoot guy. He's also a really good free-throw shooter. So I, I would be all in – or not all in, but I, I think he's Would you be willing to give up Grimes if that was needed as a sweetener? No, and I just I, – I don't – really understand like all these teams they can keep putting out there like oh we want a young player to pick we want a young player to pick you're not gonna get a young player to pick for guys like brogdon like he, he didn't return a, the young player he returned a couple years ago was guys they just didn't fucking care about and like didn't value it's like aaron nesmith who congrats to him on becoming like a decent nba player but he wasn't valued as that he was just valued as a sunk cost like all right yeah well we got to give this guy up to get him cool great whatever do you think the knicks um, might be viewing grimes grimes's like value is beyond that so what? No, I was just asking. Yeah, is do you think the Knicks value Grimes the same way? No, they value him. They 100% value him more than that. I mean, I'm, I know he's had a struggle this year, but Jesus, like, they're actually going to value him as like dead salary in the deal to make it work. Um, so I don't know. I I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't trade Grimes right now. I think it's stupid to trade Grimes right now. Um, I think you're trading him at his lowest value, and I think you're also. It's very obvious to me that that entire group of players that plays a lot with the bench, Grimes, Hart, OG, that lineup, even Precious, 
they benefit so much from a guy that's like a legitimate ball handler. And, um, you know, Brogdon isn't, he's not an all-star, but he, he's pretty fucking solid at that thing. Like he's solid at just running an offense off the bench and he can get you buckets when you need them. He can spot up again off others. I, I just think he makes a lot of sense. Is there any one of the guys that have been mentioned that you would trade Grimes for? Um, maybe Rozier. Maybe Rozier. You wouldn't trade him even for even if it was just Fournier and a protected first. Um, yeah, I mean Rozier has like really good counting stats. Uh, putting up twenty four and seven this year. Um. I think he has a long wingspan, so the defense has not been good, but Charlotte is kind of a shit show, so I don't really know that how much of that is on, is his fault. Um, but I, I did want to talk a little bit about DeJounte Murray because if the asking price really is just D'Angelo Russell, who Atlanta... I just don't want DeJounte Murray. I, I don't, you know, I'm just going to put this... I don't want DeJounte Murray. I just don't want him on this team. Even if the That's cost was just 48. I don't care. The, the cost would be first. my fucking... Right ass cheek, and I wouldn't want it. Well, that sounds like pretty valuable to give up. So yeah. Well, I'm just saying, I he's not gonna he I I'm 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 like I'm shutting this down because I'm so sick and tired of believing that Dejounte Murray is gonna come here and come off the bench. And I'm not breaking up the starting lineup for Dejounte Murray. I'm sorry, I'm not. That that starting lineup has been fucking awesome. They fit together well. They're developing. But they've new, also they fit. To, they they've have their net rating stats. Press posts this too. Even when Hart plays the two in that lineup, they play well. They played well with Grimes. Like oh, oh oh oh, we're gonna we're we're doing the thing. We're gonna pretend that Josh Hart at the two is awesome. Is that what we're doing? No, but I would say as someone who hates the idea of Josh Hart at the two. Look at the teams they've played well when Josh Hart at the two. Go look at those teams. But maybe that starting lineup is just so good around that that. It's immune, and like for the playoffs, you just okay, add but a even quality then, Josh, What is Josh Hart's usage? I don't know, like sixteen percent, sixteen, probably some shit like that. What's the, what's Divincenzo's usage? Probably a little bit higher, but yeah. Now, what is Dejounte Murray's usage? Yeah, I mean, but the idea is that you will need more usage when teams are keying in on Brunson and Randall in the playoffs, right? So are I mean, we winning? We don't want to go in with Reggie are we, Bullock. Are we, are we, so we're going to win the chip with Jonathan Murray? Well, that's what I'm asking. Because the guy is whatever. I I don't love the fit either. He is averaging 21 six and five. He's putting up really good shooting numbers. Small sample size. Cran just actually had a good post because the Lakers are interested about how his um, you know, his shooting numbers according to B-ball Index have been pretty. Or his grades have been like F D every year. And then this year it's back to an A, but um, you know the volume is low, right? The difficulty—if you adjust for difficulty and how many shots and and how he's shooting—he he looks really good. So I get that that like that still doesn't signify a guy who's maybe the shooting leap is is temporary or it's an aberration. This is it, it looks this is like an aberration, but he gives you another re, like he is probably the best creator that's available, right? The guy, you know, is is putting up real numbers. Um, so, you know, and, and yeah, like it does seem a little unfair to just assume he's not going to buy in. Right. Because Atlanta, seems I, to I, why, why is that unfair? 
what about his career? Because Atlanta's kind of a what, what, but what, what about his career? The guy's what? He's fucking 27 or 28 years old right now? Who the fuck at that age? Right? Who the fuck at that age is like, oh, you know what? I'm done being a starter. I'll be the sixth man. I'm happy to sacrifice the team. Like people, I, I think this is this is this is what's. I don't. You are not saying this, but there are people that were like, they're like, we have to trade quickly because he will never. He he will, he wants to start, so we have to do it because he wants to start, so we can't keep him. Can't do it. Like can't do that. But now we're now Dejounte Murray, who's only fucking started for like the last four fucking years of his fucking career. Uh, who had a 40 usage three years ago, who's still a high usage guy. He's going to come to New York and out of the goodness of his heart in the middle of his fucking prime, he's going to be like, oh, you know what? I'll play 20 minutes a night off the bench to give Brunson a rest. Like, give me a break, dude. The guy thinks he's better than Brunson, which I'm not like that. He That's the mindset these guys have. He thinks he is an elite point guard. That's what he thinks. He's an elite point guard. Whether I agree, you agree, somebody disagrees, it doesn't matter. That's what he believes. There is zero fucking shot. The guy's coming here, and I mean, oh yeah, talk to him about it. I don't. I don't have a. I have a fucking brain. He's not gonna come to New York and be like, oh, let me come off the bench because now I'm a fucking team player. Really? That's. Like, have you watched some of these games he's been playing lately for Atlanta? By the way, go watch some of this shit down the stretch where he'll like bring the ball up, and he's not. He is not even pretending to look off Trey. He's just not even looking at him. He's just like, no, I'm coming up. I'm taking the shot. And like that's fine. I, I don't I don't I don't think that necessarily means he's an asshole. I'm trying to make a point. Like, I don't want somebody coming in here who isn't better than Brunson, who isn't better than Randall, to all of a sudden like require to be tr- like he's going to require us to treat him at the same level. And I'm sorry, he's not good enough. He's flat out not good enough for that. Like, if it's a better player than him. Like, I actually think Rozier is a flat-out better than play, player than him. I think he's a way superior offensive fit. So I'd consider it for that. I think it's, like, worth considering. I know that his, Rozier is a better creator, though? Easily. Oh, yeah. For what we want, for what we need. No, even in a like, vacuum. Let's say in a vacuum. Who do you think is the better player? I mean, just in terms of scoring? In terms of creation, which is both for yourself and others, right? I mean... I don't know. I th- I think I I'll say Rozier. I don't know. I don't have a strong feeling about this because I don't think either of these guys is capable of being a, a creator for an actual good team, like a like a main the main guy for an actual good team. Uh, but I do think if you were to say, oh, they will buy into being a third option, the guy who actually has a skill set that makes sense for that is Rozier offensively. Now, if you want to say defensive concerns, I I, I hear that. Like I, I think that's a fair, very fair concern to have his defensive um, ability, or not abilities, but his defensive impact in Charlotte has fallen off a cliff, much like uh, Dejounte's did in Atlanta. But like, if you want to give Dejounte the benefit of the doubt of like, oh, well, he'll come to a serious situation and then he'll he'll be better just because he'll start carrying again. I mean, I would one hundred thousand percent rather take that bet on a guy like Rogier, given what I feel is a significantly superior offensive compliment to uh, both Brunson and Randall. So I just, again, like guys don't just leave in the middle of their prime. They don't like he wants out of Atlanta for a reason. Okay. That reason to me is probably not. I'll go play off the bench for somebody. Cause I just want to like be on a contender now forever. Like, I'm sorry. I, if, if I could know if I, if you told me, Jante Murray will be fine playing 20, 22 minutes, 23 minutes a night off the bench. 
being the sixth sixth man, a creator, I'd be like, fine, fuck it, do it. But he's not going to. Like, if this entire fucking Dejounte Murray thing is based on the most delusional fucking hype, like hypothetical. Oh, what if this guy who thinks he's an all star comes off the bench for us for twenty minutes a night because the spirit of fucking Manu Ginobili. Uh, visited him and and now he's all about the team and that's all he cares about. It's ridiculous. Like it's not going to happen. The guy wants to go somewhere and be a lead, lead guard. That's what he wants. Okay. And and I just think like, you know, I'm not fucking up that starting lineup for the potential hypothetical upside of Dejounte Murray some unlocking something with this group. I I just don't get it. Like that lineup is awesome. Dante DiVincenzo is really good in that lineup. He shoots the shit out of the ball. It's a great compliment to Brunson. It's a great compliment to Randall. And him and Randall have a really nice chemistry that's developing. And we know Brunson and him have a natural chemistry. Like, punting on that for DeJounte Murray is... I think it's fucking crazy. I think that's the type of trade, like, Isaiah Thomas would jerk himself raw to. Um, and if you're fucking touching yourself over trades that Isaiah Thomas would be, like sitting in the trade machine just fucking with a whole bottle of lotion next to him look, thinking about like you've got a problem i'm sorry you need like, to go get go see fucking chatterbait or something right yeah so, yeah so. yeah you need to just get the fuck out of here like it i'm sorry i i just this dejounte Murray thing infuriates me because i don't understand the conversation it's like it's like oh look we have fucking like oh we have like we have patrick mahomes what if we get trevor lawrence too okay like are we gonna run? We're, we're running fucking like Wildcat or something. Like, like what are we? Like, what are we doing exactly with Trevor Lawrence? And it just—you don't need what Dejounte Murray gives you. He's not good enough. Like, if he was, if there's overlap in skills, the overlap can be well, you, okay. You also said that the Knicks' biggest need is interior scoring, which I don't necessarily agree with, but but he's not a good interior scorer. He gets the paint a lot. He's he he shoots he's really well from the mid range. That's not. That's not. The fucking scoring they need. They need somebody that's actually going to collapse. Is he bad at the rim? He is. This is his like career season. Okay, this this season that he's having right now. This is the career Dejounte Murray offensive juggernaut peak of his powers. This is what he's averaging: twenty-one, five and five, good, on 47, 38, 83 splits, also very good. His true shooting percentage is all of fifty-six and a half. And this is, while he's shooting, to be very clear, he is shooting 55.4% at the rim, which is a career low right now, 53.5% from 3 to 10 feet, which is a career high, 44.7% from 10 to 16 feet, which is just about his career level, and then 55% from long two, which is a massive career high. Uh, It's also nine percentage points higher than his career average from that range. And then 38.2% from three, which is 4% above his career average. Do you like, maybe he's become a better shooter. It's very possible. It's just, this is like a natural shooting arc that he's going. I see numbers like that. And I fucking worry, especially when the impact still sucks on the floor. Minus 3.6 on minus five, minus 3.8 on off the numbers with him and Trey have been ass. So that at least gives you a window into potentially what the fit between Brunson and Rand, or Brunson and and Murray could be. And I I understand Brunson's a very different player than Trey. Um, so maybe that and obviously it's a different team, different system, whatever. But like, I just don't really see that as promising. Um, and like, 
And all of this is under this, it's mostly seems to be this weird hypothetical that people are coming up with of like DeJounte is available for this cut price now, but once we get him, now he will become this awesome headline piece that we can send out to uh, anchor a star trade. Like, I, I don't know that, that all that stuff to me is just like, I don't know. That's like cocaine brain fucking craziness. I, I, I don't get it. Like, so the guy isn't worth all this right now, but once he throws on a Knicks jersey, he, it's, holy shit, this fucking guy, we got to trade Devin Booker for him right now. Like, I, I think it's all bullshit. Like, if you think the talent's worth it, just say that. And that's fine. Like, if you, like, because an overlap in skills is fine if the talent that you're betting on is, like, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade were not an ideal fit. Do you think anybody gave a shit? No, because you were like, well, sure, but like they're like, they they can figure it out. Like they're both you don't wings. Think Brunson and Dejounte could be like Clyde Frazier and Earl Monroe. Uh, no, I think Brunson could be one of those guys. I don't think Dejounte has a fucking shot in hell. You don't um, think he's as good as Earl Monroe? I don't know. I don't. Uh, but like, like so that when when the overlap occurs with such an overwhelming talent, where you're like, even if it's a little bit clunky, even if we're not totally maximizing each guy's individual output the collective is going to be so ridiculous it doesn't matter that is not what this is it's not what this is like i don't see it as for me personally if you told me we get steph curry i'd be like man i don't really know how they fit but you would be worried about the fit with steph curry that's insane no i don't think it's insane i think it's that might be the best off ball on ball yeah but he still does shit on ball and the shit he does off ball is also unlocked in a lot of ways because of like everything golden state does and 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 more i'm just saying like defensively there would definitely be issues there like that's just a fact there would 100 be issues there so i'm just saying like it, there's concerns to be had there but i would still be like okay but we get steph curry like yeah like let's just let's see let's do that and then we'll figure it well, out even like even mitchell right this, mitchell the same concerns exist but i would like i would prefer that to, i to i'm that. i'm more open to that now i'm more open to mitchell now than i have been previously because we have og because we have OG, because I've seen how impactful OG is, because Mitchell's actually played pretty well this year uh, defensively, and the thing I I I find uh, interesting, you know, is there something? Is that something you might be interested? Might be interesting. <laughs> um, but like, you know, or like, you know, the thing about Gilly I find so interesting. All right, Sam, we got it. <laughs> uh, but but like, uh, his playmaking is really what stands out to me when I've watched him this year with the Cavs. Not so, I mean, the scoring, we know he can always score, but like he's really taking a step up as a playmaker. And that step up to me is interesting to see, you know, to think about like, okay, like I'm not sure that you can win with Brunson, Mitchell, Randall as your big three, but let's say you have still have concerns about Randall and you're eventually thinking you're going to have to move him anyway. I do think it's interesting to think about like, if Brunson and Mitchell were your top two guys, and then like everybody else is just kind of like some, you get like a another guy off the bench. Like I don't know. I, I just think it's interesting to think of if those two were your top two, how would you construct a roster from there? Especially knowing that we have OG now. Um, that's you interesting. Probably still have Randall at that point, right? So yeah, I mean, I just think it's like I've seen enough where I'm like, okay, I don't know that this is gonna work. I actually have a lot of concerns that will work. I do think there's some there's a bunch of overlap and some clunkiness, but Donovan Mitchell is a clear cut superior talent 
than DeJounte Murray to me. And like, I, I think him and Brunson are in the same tier of player. So if they're in the same tier of player and I think Brunson's a star, then to get Mitchell is like a no brainer, like not a no brainer, but it's like, I can, ra- I can rationalize that. I can understand it. I can, I can under I can, I can totally get the vision with DeJounte Murray. I'm like, the vision is like, he's good and he's going to do this thing that he, we don't actually have any knowledge that he's going to do of accepting this lower usage role. Uh, and then because he does this and he plays in New York, he's going to morph into like this high value asset when we do trade for a star. It's just built on so many what ifs. And I don't know. I, I'm sorry. Like the DeJounte thing is just so uninteresting to me and so uninspiring and so boring. It's just like, oh, he's the fucking name that's out there. So people are acting like we've got to get him. And it's just like, dude, I, I'm honestly, I'm not going to lie. I think I'd be much more content just like, doing Brogdon and fucking and, and that would make me a lot happier. Yeah. I, um, I, I mean, I'm inclined to agree with that. I don't, um, I, I think Murray is really good. Like, I think that that's a thing. Um, I tend to feel like I would bias a little bit more probably than you into getting talent and figuring it out especially if shooting and spacing isn't the issue. Uh, and maybe it still will be, right? Because um, this is still half a season, really, right? Career year and all that. Um, but, um, but I mean, do you think, is, is the Knicks play, do you think, right now, do you think they're just like, there's a bunch of guys available that teams are probably going to move? Who does Fournier in a first get you? Once it shakes out, we just hop on who's left? Uh, I don't understand. You're saying just. I mean, get... it's the Knicks strategy, right? More than looking at one guy, they have all these guys, right? Bruce Brown, Brogdon, uh, Rogier, um, Clarkson, Murray. They've all been rumored to all of them. Do you think they're just like it's still 11:30 at the bar, and they're just waiting out? It's like who's left at 2 a.m. Or um, do you think there's more of a stringent order of priority there? Um, I think they have a price that they're willing to pay right now. And my guess is they aren't really going to budge on it because they don't view any of these guys as game changers. They're, they're functionally useful for the immediate term and they're functionally useful as contracts to eventually get whoever you actually want, but they're not going to make this team a contender and I think that probably I I'm, I'm maybe a little bit higher on like what the upside of like a Rozier could be, but I generally agree with that. Like I don't think that any of these guys really make them a contender. I do think Brogdon would be interesting if he can just stay healthy, which is a big if, obviously. Just because the bench has been so bad, they've been so bad that you're like, man, if they could just get anything out of that group, like they might start fucking just just like i mean they've already been dismantling teams but if you're getting like actual production and not like random precious achua you know 14 point quarters over the fuck it was in the fourth uh like genuine steady production from the bench this team could be a juggernaut man like i I mean i i'll be honest like every time i watch us and the starters go off i'm always just thinking in my head like man if we could have just done that trade without giving up quickly this team's a contender 
Um, so I'm a little bit maybe more bullish on what Brogdon would do for them than other guys. But like, I don't know, man. Deshante just does not do shit for me. I just think he'd be really miserable. And I think it'd be a dangerous thing. I think, I feel like part of the, like they talked about this, part of the reason they made the fucking move they made, not obviously the major reason, but part of the reason was like, they understood like guys were not happy about their roles and minutes and situation in the locker room and they needed to handle it and blah, 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 blah. And like, I just think DeJounte is like, man, that's, that's something you want to recreate the powder keg again and light a match. Like, because you're talking about, I mean, we, we're, we were sitting here talking about like Grimes minutes post trade. And we're like, what the fuck? Why isn't he playing more? How can we get him more minutes? Do you like, if the guy is, if the guy was here after Dejounte trade, he'd be pissed. And even well, he'd if he'd probably get thirty minutes, just at the expense of that's what would happen. He would get thirty minutes at the expense of Divincenzo. Right, and I just don't understand that. I think that's a problem. Like I, I like you know, we can you talk in the about playoffs because in the playoffs you can't, you probably don't want Divincenzo out there. The Warriors didn't do it right. Divincenzo had a great year, wasn't good. They were willing to go to Jordan Poole minutes, right? Because you just Divincenzo can't really create for himself the same way. So you do need that. At some point, it will. It would even make sense. Um, and Murray gives you more scoring punch, right? Or, or you know, more creation. I mean, he can, but do I care about it? Like, is he actually at the level that matters? There's also the downside risk of like forgetting, like, oh, like Murray's going to come here and they'll be beef in the locker room. What if Murray comes here and he just has a bad close to the year because he's like in a different team and but like what if that happens that then are we still talking about him like oh man th- this was such a smart move because we got him for so little and now we can throw him in a trade for Devin Booker and he's a big name like I think it's the opposite I think people are viewing this as a no risk trade and I think it's a fucking mistake I think it's a big risk I think it's a big risk on the court this year I think it's a big risk in terms of fit I think it's a big risk in terms of does he maintain his value going into that extension that's going to kick in after this year or does he elevate his status or does his status come down? I don't know. I think people are really minimizing the the downsides while playing up the upsides. And I don't even think the upsides are very significant because I just don't really buy him as some elite creator. Would you rather have Murray or De- DeMar DeRozan? Neither. <laughs> if you had to choose one. Murray, I guess. Because he's younger? Or... Yeah, he's younger. I think he's definitely more explosive he's more talented for sure overall um i the derosa thing i don't get at all like the guy's gonna come here and come off the bench he doesn't think of himself as a bench player it's all bullshit like this is why you go get a guy like brogdon or fucking bruce brown where it's like yeah maybe they don't open up any championship upside but you know those guys will come here and they'll be like okay cool i'm coming off the bench fine i'm fine with that for at least this the rest of this year the knicks one of the the one bad part of that uh, Raptors game is that Isaiah Hartenstein got hurt. Uh, they called it a sore ankle in the game. Afterwards, I believe Tibbs confirmed that it was a sprain. He said uh, it was a sprain, but then they came back and clarified that it was a sore ankle. Okay, so maybe not a sprain. Um, I've been going through a sprained ankle for the last month and a half. Um, I can definitely say whenever I used to say, here's sprain, I used to think, oh, it's just a little hurt. Put some dirt on it. Um, it is a real thing. It means your ligament's torn and it fucking sucks so um if it's not bad that is definitely good news um but it definitely appears he'll miss at least one game um you know they've been doing a little bit more 
media availability for Sims and and Precious. Um, do you think this? I mean, I, I think that if they have to play against the Nuggets without Hartenstein, Jokic might get seventy points or like forty-five assists, um, or both. Um, but um, leaving that aside, do you think Tibbs is this one we're finally going to see extended Randall at the five minutes? Extended? Yes. Uh, yeah, I. <laughs> I doubt it. Uh, extended? I don't think so. You'll get some. You'll get some, but you're not going to get extended. But without extended, you're playing Sims and Precious, some combination of those two, 40 minutes. That's correct. Yes, that is correct. That is not what you would do, I would imagine. No, I would. You have to. Got to have a big man out there. Um, even if... I think both of them... Is Sims even taller than Randall? I don't know. He definitely doesn't play bigger than Randall, I'll tell you that. Well, I mean, he has the hops, but um, he has a wingspan. Uh, so he definitely, the standing reach is probably higher, but Randall's probably the same strength, weight, and height. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm super curious because what, they have Brooklyn tomorrow, right? Um, yes, correct. So they got Brooklyn. Um, I'm very curious because I, I think if Nick Claxton probably can't guard Randall one-on-one, not in the paint. Um I, I would be very curious to see that. And um, I don't, I mean, how much we've complained about Tibbs a lot. Like you have been on Twitter and you have said, if Randall does not play or Randall doesn't play at the five, you know, pretty significant minutes, that's a fireable offense at this point for Tibbs. Do you think these next couple of games, if they, if he doesn't play extended minutes, is that going to sour you on Tibbs even more? Um, yeah, no, hundred percent. If he doesn't play Randall at the five at this point, then, no, I, extended stuff. minutes. We made that distinction. So I want to say, like, do you think that's the threshold? How, what's to? define extended minutes? 15 minutes of Randall to five. Mm. With no with no Isaiah Hartenstein. Yeah, no, I mean, I get that. Um, I think that's conservative, by the way. Or, like, that's low end, right? I, I think it's low end, but I'm just trying to put myself in, like, what I could reasonably expect from Tibbs. I feel like if he gave me, like, 12, I'd be like, all right, that's fine. But, like, I have no faith in him to do that. I really don't. 12 minutes or inches? <laughs> um. uh, yeah, I mean, I think with um, with that, uh, I, I think that – I think it is, it is a, it's a lost opportunity, right? Because you have – you have this incredible def- like that's the thing. If you're in it, we love this OG trade. Even just playing the three all the time and get, showing up the back of four minutes, which the Knicks. By the way, the one thing that's talked about less, the Knicks have become an elite defensive rebounding team. Hartenstein deserves a lot of credit, but they, they lost Mitchell Robinson, and going from Hart as the backup four, RJ as the backup four, to to OG, that's been as big a so a, a thing as anything else. Uh, yes, those minutes are coming next to Hartenstein, but clearly the, the defensive rebounding was something they struggled with. And they are now, I think they've been top in defensive rebounding percentage since the uh, OG and Anobi yeah, trade. They have, they have so he gives you all of these things. And if he's a, like, if you can unlock Randall to five, that is what can push you over the edge against a team that you have equal talent to, or maybe even slightly less talent. They lost to a team. Is it fair to say they lost to a team with inferior talent last year in the playoffs? The next, yeah, uh, 
I think we should just be able to admit that, yes. right? Yeah. I, I, I'm not as big on Jimmy Butler as you. I'll put it like that. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not very big on Jimmy Butler this year. I think he's. I think he might be. I didn't think he was that impressive in our playoff series. Yeah, but that's because I mean, Josh Bam was the best player. Tried to kill him. Remember? Yeah. Jesus. Um. I, th- I thought Bam was their best player. Bam, because of just how insane his defense was, may have had an argument for over Brunson. Brunson was putting up forty though, so whatever. Um, the point I'm making is, if you want to win a series where talent is close, that is what's going to come down to, to that kind of adjustment. And I would be really, really, it would make me a lot more discouraged about this team if we weren't going to that even now, to to see if Randall opens those things up. Um, because some of the teams, I think it could really be important. Indiana is going to go small with Siakam. That's a great opportunity to put Randall out there at the five. Um, and, and Indiana with the Siakam trade, I do think you have to consider them now, at least in the next weight class, if not a little bit higher. Um, Boston is going to play Porzingis. I think that's a worth matchup worth exploring because Porzingis isn't really like a low post player. He's a good offensive rebounder, but he spends so much time outside at the three point line that, you know, that maybe is, is something you can live with. Um, Milwaukee, right? Like they go small sometimes with Portis or Giannis at the five. I think Randall has guarded both of those guys, right? So that has to be in your bag, uh, especially if you want to beat a team that maybe doesn't, that, that you're not, because there's no one, I think, besides maybe the Nuggets, because I think Jokic is just that good, who is head and shoulders above the Knicks in talent. If they lose, it is going to be because Boston is playing out of their, just Boston is playing at their absolute best level. Or you didn't win, you didn't find something like that, and the other team did, right? That's what that's what Miami found. Um, that's why we lost to what I believe was an inferior talent team, talent-wise team. Yeah, um, there's there's no question about that. Um, I I don't I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know how to respond. I guess. But well, like, is it where I mean, the danger is that Precious is good enough to like meet that Mendoza line where Tibbs and Tibbs's Mendoza line for big play is probably a lot lower than ours. Um, where Tibbs is like, all right, fine, I don't care. Or at least we're not getting beat up on the glass, or we don't look small. Do you think? Like, I, I feel like if Precious doesn't even hit that, which maybe he won't. He had one good game so far, where the other team was had given up. I think that might push him to to try this, and maybe this is maybe this is what we needed, right? Like David Lee got hurt for the Warriors. That's what forced I mean, I, Steve Kerr. I, I think he'll try it, but I I, I personally am not I, I'm not at the I don't think the Isaiah Hartenstein thing is going to be like. I get that it, because the Knicks are weird with injuries, we can't say this for sure. Um, but like I, it feels like this is probably more of a maybe he misses a game or two games, maybe three max, but it feels like he'll be back. I just don't think he's going to see enough in that small of a sample to to for it to matter. I just don't. And even if it does, look, we know Tibbs. Like, for better or worse, we know this. Like, if he do, if he does not want to do something, it doesn't matter what he sees for how long he sees it. He's just not going to do it. We know this based on his entire fucking time as a coach in the Knicks. Um, if he doesn't fundamentally believe it, it matters or will work. Uh, in the playoffs or against a contender or whatever the fuck his standard is, then he just will, even if it does work in this small sample, 
in his head, he'll be like, well, that's good that it worked now, but like, I'm not trying this against the the Bucks. I'm not trying this against the Heat. I'm not trying against 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 the Celtics. Like, he just won't. He just won't do it. So, um, it's all well and good to like see it, and maybe he'll adopt it. But I, I'm not gonna hold my breath. Yeah, that's fair. Um, if in case, um, I mean, it's worth noting one of the games that they that Hardenstein would be out against if he did miss two games would be. Denver, um, I, what's your over-under on, on Jokic's numbers in that game if, if they play him without Hardenstein? <laughs> like, I don't know, like a fucking 35-plus point, 35-15-15 or something like that? Doesn't play the fourth probably either. Um, yeah, it, it'll just be ridiculous. Like, you, you just need – at that point, you would need to hope for, like, them to choose to rest a bunch of guys or something. Um. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Uh, looking forward to this next stretch. So the Knicks, I believe, have eight home games in their next ten games. They Pretty do. manageable schedule. They do and have one of the road games home. is the Nets game, which is not a road game. Yeah, and then the other road game, I believe, is Hornets, which is not a very good team right now. Um, they do have home games against Indiana, L.A., um, Miami, and Denver. Uh, at least one of those, to me, I would expect to be a loss. They have played Indiana poorly this year, even though I think they're capable of playing much better. And Indiana just got Siakam. Lakers are LeBron and AD. They're not a good team right now, but they have LeBron and AD. And the Heat just always seem to play the Knicks tough. Um, you know, what? what's kind of your thoughts on that stretch? Ten games. I think nine and one is very much on the table. Um, I don't think I, I, I'm just very skeptical of them beating Denver without a, a functional backup center at this point, uh, even if Hartenstein played. Um, you know, I think seven and three would be kind of my Mendoza line. If they went six and four, that is that's just starting to be a disappointment for me. But curious to your thoughts on like what you think is reasonable because they've been on fire since they traded for OG. And uh, you know, this is a this is a very manageable schedule for the next 10 games. Yeah, I mean, the Hartenstein injury makes it a little weird uh, since we don't even know when the fuck he's going back. But you can see them going. I, I will say, I think this is a trickier schedule than people think, though. I will say that, even prior to the injury. Like, they should beat the Nets, whatever. Obviously, if you lose to the Nuggets, it's not exactly like the end of the world. They did go into Boston and give them their first home loss of the year. Miami's yeah, champs. <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. Miami is Miami, so that ends a weird mat- Saturday matinee game. Like, okay. Uh, Monday, they played the Hornets. That should be another cakewalk. But then you get these two home games, which are like three, actually, that are actually kind of like all tricky in their own way. I mean, you get Utah at home, Pacers at home, and Lakers at home. Like, Utah's been really good lately. Uh, the Pacers obviously just added Siakam. And they've generally been a really good team. Um, Maybe the next what twice now or once? Once, just once. And that was that weird post trade game. Like we were shorthanded, whatever. Um, Don't like, stop Halliburton from shit talking while he's there. Yeah. He's such a fucking loser. Hopefully, he can make a return video. Fucking dumb piece of shit. Um, and then the Lakers. Uh, that's a national TV game. I think eight thirty p.m. on Saturday night. So I'm pretty sure that'll be like the whatever the game of the weekend or the fuck they call it. Um, you know, that's always like LeBron at the garden, whatever, right. That, that can always be a loss just because of that Memphis at home should be a win after that. You'd think 
and Mavericks at home should be a win after that, and then they get the Pacers again at home. But I mean, that's so that's that's all before the deadline. So the next ten games are, or whatever, or however many games that is. And it's worth games. noting also, right? The um, they have the the only back to back in this. They have two back to backs in the stretch. They get the Jazz. That is, I think that's a good point. They they get the Hornets in Charlotte. They come home and the next night face the Jazz, a team that plays really hard. It's playing really well. I think that that's probably that's a good point. And their other second game of back to back is um, oh they don't have so that's that's the one second game where maybe you'd expect them to win, but obviously a little bit tougher. But they they are operating for the most part on two or sometimes three days of rest in the stretch. I mean the key games in the stretch, like yeah, you want to take care of business against like the Nets and the Hornets and whatever. Um, and the Grizzlies, and the Grizzlies. Like those, yeah, those three you want to take care of business against. But if they beat, like, if they can beat Miami, and they beat the Pacers twice, that that's probably fine. Like, even if they lost every other game, which would be annoying, you'd probably be okay there because you're like, okay, well, we lost, you know, these other games, but we did beat the team, like, and we that would put us two zero against Miami, and that would put us two one against indiana because we played them twice during the stretch before the all-star break like i mean if you do that that that's that's enough that is enough that that to me is like not ideal but if you told me all right you're gonna go six and five but your three wins are against the dog shit teams you know hornets uh grizzlies and um and nets and then you'll beat miami and you'll beat the pacers twice so you go six and five over the 11 i'd be like all right that's not great but I don't hate that. I could live with that. It would be disappointing to me, but um, like I also, I hope they beat fucking Dallas, man. I'm so tired of this Kyrie Irving shit. Um, I, I I hated the aftermath of that game. They can't beat Kyrie. All this shit. Like, is that a thing? Is that a thing people were doing? Yeah. Well, Kyrie Irving is apparently 16 and two against the Knicks since he went to the Nets. Um. So wow. like, wow, that's so good. That's awesome for the Nets. Everything just comes full circle, I guess, like the globe. No, sorry, Kyrie. Um, but um, you know, I think that I don't know. I mean, they're just they're really fucking good right now, man. Like, I don't they shouldn't be losing the jazz. They shouldn't they shouldn't I mean the Pacers, I don't know what they're gonna look like with Siakam. I don't think they should lose the Lakers are such an unserious team at this point, you know. Um I think there's there's a lot of hope there. Uh, speaking of the Lakers, I, I posted this, and I'm, I'm curious to your thoughts on this. My prediction is LeBron James will be a Nick during the calendar year 2024. What are your thoughts on that? Or do you give a percentage or a probability to that? Is he a free agent after this year or next year? He can opt out. So he could be a free agent this summer if he wanted to. Yeah. And Bronny's That's only the summer where his... Son, son is eligible to be drafted. And Bronny's in this draft. <clears throat> he could um, be. Bronny has had some not... Yeah, he sucks. Games. He's been bad. But his dad <laughs> is LeBron Prez, James. Prez likes him. Prez likes him. So. Yeah, but his dad is LeBron James. So he'll probably come out. Um, I don't hate it. I mean, I don't hate like the, the idea... You think it's likely, possible. though, or possible? I think it's possible like so part of the reason why he's been all up in la is you know raising his family and whatever obviously he has two other sons who are still there 
and his wife. Um, so it's not like his family is gone, but like there's something to the idea of maybe he's more willing to leave LA if Ronnie goes to like, you know, like goes to New York and then like, okay, well, it's not LA, but I can go live in New York and travel around the country with Ronnie and we'll still have the LA. Like maybe he'd be more willing to leave the first leave player. LA. He'd be the first player to ever got to play on the same team as his son. Like that's talk about legacy and all that. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I guess that's like, I'm sure that people that like love LeBron James will make that somehow some significant part of his legacy. Um, it, and here's the other part. In terms, we're talking legacy, right? I know you're never going to put him over Jordan. If he brought a ring back to New York City, that would be a game changer for his legacy. The kind that he probably can't get in LA. I'm, I'm yeah, I mean, that that's that's also like why just kind of like the whole idea of oh well like look I mean I guess you win a ring you win a ring you're not going to say anything about it but it would be very nauseating for the Knicks to like win a championship for the first time in what are 50 plus years and for like the memory of that to be oh this was the one that put LeBron over Jordan bro like th- this is the one that like cements his legacy and like the entire thing is not. You mean the be Knicks about- can knock Jordan off after all those times they couldn't? I would be all yeah. up for that. But it's 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 not it's not about. It would just be become about LeBron. It would not be about the Knicks breaking their drought. Like that would be annoying as a fan. But as like if you're Leon Rose, you don't think about that. You're not like, oh well, what does Schwinnipoo think? Uh, he's probably more like, yeah, if I can get LeBron, just because I have his son. Like, I, I hold him captive by drafting him. Um, yeah, I mean, you would do it, right? There's there's no reason you don't sign LeBron James in that scenario. You have to, right? If LeBron's like, if you draft if Ronnie... With the cap, we don't have the cap room, though, right? We'd have to do a sign and trade at that point. Yeah, unless he was just like, I'll take the fucking Emily. I don't really give a shit. Which, I mean, maybe he would. I have no clue. But, like... I doubt that. I mean, someone's I mean, gonna offer him money. The, the, yeah, six, he, the Sixers could get him. They'll have the cap space. Like, yeah, but but if he wants to play with Bronny, if that's like his, because that's it. He said that, right? Like he wants to play with him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but that yeah. doesn't mean so, you like, give up potentially what fifty or thirty million dollars a year. Right? I I don't know. Maybe what if Nike's like, please go to New York, go to New York. We'll make it up to you. <laughs> I think the other part of it is the Lakers are right now ninth in the West and are the Lakers suck. They suck. So is there a possibility that they might anticipate that and just trade them now? No, they will trade them now. You're not trading LeBron James. That's not something you're not trading LeBron James. Nobody's trading LeBron James like that. You only trade LeBron James if LeBron comes in your office and is like, I want to leave. I'm never staying here. And if you don't trade me, I'm going to cry and then I'm going to leave anyway. That's the only way you trade him. You can't trade him if he's like, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll stay. Maybe I won't. But I'm trying really hard, and I gave you twenty-eight, seven, and seven. So you got to deal with it. Like, if he does all, I, I, my, my gut instinct, my, my genuine feeling on this, he's never going to come to New York. I don't think he wants to deal with that shit. I don't think he wants to deal with like the heightened expectations of the Knicks with him on it, which would be like a fucking crazy media circus every day. Um, I don't think he wants to deal with it. I think he's happy in LA. I mean, he's already dealing with that in LA, though. That is a crazy. I know. Thing. No, I, I think it's completely different. I think it's different. I think like 
he comes to New York and it's like, like it's it's just a different environment, man. No other team gets talked about like the Knicks. Like it, it would be every single day would be like, like how close are they to winning a championship? What does this say about what does losing this Monday to the Hornets say about LeBron's legacy in New York? Uh, like you'll get it'll just be fucking constant. It'll be fucking constant. And you know what? He already won his championship in LA. So like while there's still pressure on him and and the Lakers in general to compete, it's a different thing now. Um, he comes to New York, it's going to be constant. And I, I don't know. I, I just think that he doesn't want to deal with that shit. And I, I want also, like, we know that LeBron James lies. Um, he's an all-time liar. Like, Remember how many ta- how many books has he read the first page of? Oh, man. Countless. He loves Malcolm X's first page. <laughs> autobiography. Uh, he lies. So, like, he might have just said this fucking Bronny thing and everybody ran with it and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to play Bronny for sure. That's that's it. Like, and I I don't want to just like if Utah him. drafts Bronny, I don't think he's gonna want to play there, right? Right. Well, it's also like he might have been like he might have more meant like I want to play with him, like against him, or whatever. I don't know what it was actually said, but like there's a there's a world where he just said something and now it's like become this huge fucking thing, and we're all like actually exaggerating what he meant. It could just mean that he wanted to like be in the league when Bronny gets in the league. Or that he was exaggerating how much or how much importance that that would give to him, or like how important that would be to him, rather. Um, I don't know. The, the LeBron thing is not crazy though. I don't think it's crazy. I just, to me, it's like, dude, if you if he wasn't gonna come in 2010, if he wasn't gonna like come in at all these other points in time, why the fuck would he come now? I don't know. That'd be a tough one. Yeah. Um... I, I do think, above all, LeBron, more than Jordan perhaps, wants to be bigger than the game of basketball. I, I think MJ was basketball first and second just about money. I think that he's probably financially one of the most successful athletes ever. Uh, but I think there's been something to LeBron about wanting to be bigger than the game, um, for better or for worse. And the opportunity to, to win here that would that would give him a more t- i mean bill simmons said this like you know before oh, wow. uh, before the ringer when lebron made the decision bill simmons had one of the pieces i really liked from him um where he talked about you know his he he saw it as his three options he did not mention ironically enough miami so it couldn't have been that good of a piece but he said his three options are chicago which would have given him the best chance to win um Cleveland, so or New York, right? Uh, so he said, Chicago, if he's all about winning, then he should go to Chicago. If he's all about loyalty, he should stay in Cleveland. And if he's about immortality, that's the word Simmons used. Um, Simmons is not exactly a fan of the New York Knicks. And he said, if he wins it, you want to change New York. What? Him and Big L. <laughs> yeah. Um, if he wins a championship in New York, and that was at that time he would have immortality. And I think he can have more of the best of both worlds. Cause like, I mean, if he's, I don't, we can talk about the fit with Julius Randle. Like Steph, I am of the belief that LeBron is a guy where you're like, I'm not going to cry about the fit. Um, imagine how mad we would be if they had LeBron and Randle and Dip still never played Randle at the five. Um, but, um, but he would have a little bit less pressure 
certainly on offense, right? Because that's the thing. Like in some ways, it'd be less pressure than LA because LA does not have another creator. You know, Austin Reeves has regressed a little bit. D'Angelo Russell is D'Angelo Russell. Anthony Davis, for all his talent, is best as a play finisher, right? He would have one of the best creators in the league, a guy who some people are not talking about as MVP in, in Brunson. I, I, as an on-ball creator, Randall even might be better than Anthony Davis. He would not have to do as much. Um, he would not have to probably, he probably wouldn't even close, right? I mean, I'm sorry, he would close lineups, obviously. But in terms of being the guy who has to take the last shot or initiate everything, Brunson is very capable of that. Um, Randall has done it. I don't think he is close to as capable of that as LeBron, but Brunson is close to that. Like that's how good Brunson is. I I think it's a very interesting possibility. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm very curious about that. Um, I, I think there will be some interesting options for them this summer for sure. Uh, I, the last thing I'll say is if he really wanted to come to New York, how big, like, do you think the clutch thing ultimately could be, like, if he's going to leave LA, do you think the clutch thing matters there? Dude, it's LeBron. If LeBron wants to do something, he's going to do it. Like, and Le- and Leon. You don't think just... he would be less likely to go to New York because of the clutch thing or because of Dolan? Or maybe he hate maybe... Dolan? I don't think they have any beef. Um, I don't know if he's like, I don't know. James Dolan is dealing with his own uh, issues at the moment in time. Um, yeah. But, but like, I think if if LeBron wants one, he's just going to do it, right? Like, like, and I don't think whatever his issue is with Leon or CAA or whatever, even if they if they, if they really have one, whatever, I, I don't know how true or what the hell that is. Um, I I don't think he thinks Leon is an idiot, right? Like he knows Leon's not stupid, so you know I think that would give him some confidence. The fact that your point the next do have like a full cache of assets for lebron to uh to ruin the team with um yeah no i really have i've always wanted to play with zach levine um not sure about that buddy but i think it yeah i mean it's it's possible again i i don't think he's gonna do it because i think he is just gonna stay in la that's what i really rush hour too i have seen rush hour too did jackie chan say i've always dreamed to go to the Staples Center to watch a game? Nope. <laughs> I always wanted to go to Square Mountain. That's what he says in the, in the blue. <laughs> <part. laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, we'll see. I, I just think I just think he's gonna stay in LA. Like I don't really, I don't get the sense that he's restless there. Like the season's going kind of meh, and he he's not really like I don't know. It doesn't seem like he's making a big stink about it. Seems like okay. Maybe no, he's made a stick. He's like, we're ass right now. We suck. He said a bunch of shit. Like he's not happy. Yeah, like, he's not. He, but is he actually angling to get out, or is he just trying to get them to do something? Like, I don't think he's actually thinking about leaving. I think he's just like, come on, guys. Like, do like the the meme. Like, do something. Come on, do something. Like, trade for Dejounte Murray, please. So that Stacy and Schwinn never have to talk about it again. Um, I, I don't think he's gonna leave, man. I really don't. It's it's L.A. He's thirty nine. Where the fuck he is? Like, I know that he still takes care of his body. I know that he still wants to win. I know that he's still competing at a high level. But I have a very hard time seeing him being like, "All right, fuck it. Let's go. To, let me do the New York thing now." Like, just, you don't do New York in your forties, right? You don't do New York in your forties. You do that in your twenties. Most people don't do that in their thirties. But exactly. Well, I mean, well, he he could live in Terrytown. 
So he has a short commute to. Well, I mean, isn't that the real question that we need to ask ourselves? Is what does LeBron think about the Terrytown practice? <laughs> he probably wants to live in Bergen County or Greenwich. So no, he did his dude. Look where he did his decision. He did it at the Greenwich Boys and Girls Club. So he wants to live in Connecticut. He so wants to do. live with. He wants to be a hedge fund guy. So um, <laughs> he's going to move to Greenwich, which is an easy commute to both um, Terrytown and. If you're familiar with Metro North, then uh, yeah, the only problem is if he wants to stay out past 1.30 and he lives in Greenwich, he's going to have to wait till the the 5.30 train. But other than that... I have a feeling he'll be able to get out, uh, get around that. Italy, <laughs> isn't he? You can't. Do you think he'd afford an Uber back to Greenwich? or to? I think so. He might be able to even just afford like a helicopter. <laughs> um, so I think he'll be all right there. Uh, I'm trying to think. Is there anything that else that we needed to discuss before we get out of here? There's some, like, is there prediction? Do you have a prediction of what the Knicks combo guard move? Who it will it be end up being? Mm, I will say, I'll say Brogdon. I'll say Brogdon. You don't think Alec Burks is going to happen? I sure hope not. I think he's been playing well. I know he's been playing well, but that—that's not. Let's let's not give give Tibbs one of his favorite toys. <laughs> you think he's going to play him forty minutes? And I think I think it's very possibly just stupid shit with Alec Burks, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> like he's. This I is, think if he if he was the backup to Brunson, I would like that. Like he's fine in that role. Is he? Like I think Burks and Hart is kind of low key fire because Hart can give you some of that brim pressure, right? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't love the Hart brim pressure. Oh yeah, you know what we should say? Uh, Josh Hart played really well. Played really well against Brooklyn, and uh, hopefully keeps doing that. Or Toronto, yeah, I know I said Brooklyn. He's probably gonna play well against Brooklyn too. But he played really well against Toronto. Um, That's his old buddy, so he always he should play well against Brooklyn. It was good to see. It was good to see him, and and actually, he, I mean, he played really well the game before that dude that he actually played. Right against um, fuck. Why am I blanking right now? Whoever it was, they played somebody. He played really well. Um, but it's good to see him play well because he's obviously had an up and down season, and they need him uh, against Washington. There we go. That's who it was. He played well in that game. Oh, I did want to ask one other thing. So Lowry Markkinen is another. Fuck, not Washington, but... Houston. There you go. You missed the Washington game. Played well against Houston. Yeah. Um... Larry Markkinen is a guy we talked about a lot before. Do you think the OG trade rules that out? Do you think that's maybe like this kind of crazy move that the Knicks might pursue? I, I think I think Utah playing as well as they are has cut. Like, I, I just don't think it's feasible now for Ainge to trade him. She's just playing too. He's playing too well. They have too many guys playing too well that are young. It makes no sense to trade him. They got to keep But you him. think that it's still trade Clarkson? Yeah, Clarkson they trade. But I don't, I, but I don't. My my gut instinct about them is that I think they they keep it together through this season, for the most part. Maybe there are some fringe guys they move, but like Clarkson's kind of a main piece, right? Markkinen's obviously a centerpiece. A guy like Sexton might be making himself a centerpiece. Whatever, like they don't need to rush this stuff. Um, the one thing to keep an eye on though is Keontae George has not played as much recently, I believe, with uh, Sexton and Clarkson kind of grabbing the minutes. So that's obviously not tenable long term. So I do think a move will be made there, just not in the in this season. I think it'll be in the summer. You think they'll have to choose between George and, and Sexton? No, I just think Clarkson will go and they'll play Sexton. They'll 
start giving Keontae George the backup minutes, and that'll be that for time for the time being. For the time being, we're not going to get George. So sorry, Prez. That's uh, you heard it here first. Yeah, breaking news from Stacy. We will not be able to trade for Keontae George. Wow, wow, <laughs> huge. Um, all right. Well, I think that about sums it up. I don't know. There's not, it's kind of like the Knicks, we need the Knicks to like, it's very boring discussing them actually right now. Cause they're like, yeah, they're really good. Their starters are awesome. Uh, would be cool to get some guy off the bench that could dribble. Great. Hopefully they do it for a deadline. It's like, there's really like, and, and you know, we know all the names, right? Fucking Sexton, who's not even a name anymore. You know, Clarkson, Brogdon, all these dudes, Bruce Brown, now DeJounte Murray. We'll see. I could. I think it'll be Brogdon or it'll be DeJounte, or not DeJounte, Brogdon or, or Bruce Brown, though. I do think it'll be one of those two. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, all right. I have nothing else. So, uh, Stacy, look at people that can find you and plug anything you like to plug. Uh, you can find me at Stacy Patton89. Um, nothing to plug. Um. Uh, you can follow me at Trini Poo on Twitter. I can't believe we barely even mentioned this, but Brunson was awesome uh, against against the Nets. Or sorry, against the, against the Raptors, he was fantastic. I don't know. It's like it's almost like so routine at this point where you're just like, oh, Brunson cooked an inferior opponent, and not to say that he doesn't do it against like equal opponents or the top opponents. We know he's done that too, but it's just that when we play a team like that, you just are not surprised by it at all. You're like, yeah, yeah, Brunson cooked. Not a big surprise. Scotty Burns sucked, by the way. He was really bad in that game. <laughs> um, I I think it'll be a little while for the Raptors. They Unless quickly or RJ blows up, right? Yeah, it'll take Or Barnes, time. but you know, I think they're they, all they're all the same tier of guy, like interesting, but you know, hasn't I, shown. I also think that they may not be too upset if they're pick conveys this year and then they don't make any drastic changes next year and they're you know maybe they have the fifth or sixth best odds next year and you're in the mix for cooper flag i don't know just throwing that out there you're just planning your flag um do you um do you think is quickly the best player on that team right now uh maybe yeah maybe it's like, it, I mean, I, honestly, I would say Barnes. Barnes has actually been really good this year. I don't know what the hell was going on with him in that game, but he's been really good this year when I watched him. There was a couple games, I forgot who it was. I mean, they might have been playing the Celtics like a few weeks ago, and he was fucking giving them work. Um, so I would say Barnes right now. But, yeah, it could be quickly over time for sure. Why not? All right. Uh, that is our show for today. I hope everybody has a much better week than I'm about to have. Uh experiencing uh all the previews of the afc championship game that the bills will not be in uh again that was the show for today i hope everybody has a great week i hope the Knicks have a better week 